it's freezing cold. We have a new uh, president of America that a lot of people are not happy about. And it is 336 days till Christmas. So anyone needs some good news? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm in the mood for good news. <laughs> you need it, don't you? We need it. And... Um, we, uh, just some good news from this week was, as Steve alluded, we had uh, nearly two, uh, 270, I think it was, business leaders from our uh, community here listening to uh, some phenomenal speakers. We had the Zach, who leads Jagged Edge, uh, hairdresser, local businessman, uh, and Andy, I forget his surname, Street, the CEO, or ex-CEO of, of John Lewis. I mean, it was just a phenomenal evening. So if you're a business leader, do come to the rest of those sessions. I was so proud of us. I think we made it onto Look East, and I was so proud of Richard Fuller and the work that he does, and what um, we are partnering with him to see businesses established in, uh, in this community. It's just, just phenomenal. Part of God's kingdom being extended is to see people with the ability to work and earn a living and to provide jobs for other people. So that's one of our passions. It was privileged to do that. And uh, this morning, so we're continuing our series uh, called Pictures of the Future, and um, I wanted to uh, lay out to us something that um, probably started uh, back in 2008. It was Christmas 2008, and it's the story started with me being grumpy. <laughs> Not all of our stories start like that, but this one did. And I was feeling grumpy because we were, it was Christmas, we'd gone back to our, uh, my parents' house in Basingstoke, my brother's in the same town, and all of his kids and my kids had all descended on my parents' house, and there was a lot of people in two smaller houses. Anyone remember that feeling? Yes, I thought so. And so we were there, and it got to the point when Caroline, I think, said to me, Simon, you need to leave. <laughs> or rather... We need you to leave. You're not coping. <laughs> or words along that. And basically it was, I needed a little bit of space. It was all a little bit too much. I was overwhelmed. And uh, I needed a bit of space. So I was packed off to my brother's house on the other side of town just for a little bit of respite. I needed respite. And maybe they needed respite from me. So there I was over there. And as I was there, taking a stack of books. And, and I was in their home and they weren't there. So what do you do when you're in someone's home and, there's, and they are not there? I did not go through their drawers, okay? You might do that. That's your guilty conscience, okay? That wasn't me. I didn't go through their drawers, but I looked through their bookshelf because I like to see what books people read. And on the bookshelf was one book that grabbed my attention. It was called The Starbucks Experience. And uh, I thought, no, I like coffee. All my books kind of paled into insignificance. I like coffee. I'm going to read this book. And so I grabbed this book off the shelf. Well, within a few minutes... What happened was quite extraordinary. And, and what happened as a result of that story was actually changed my life and changed this community. And I believe has changed many churches and individuals around the world. Because what happened was the Holy Spirit just fell on me. And I just began to weep as I read this book. I began to weep as I learned about the, the roots of Starbucks, which I never knew, which wasn't a company that started to make a load of money out of coffee. It was a company that started to create a space for people to come and connect with one another. And really their foundations were not in a huge marketing budget and promoting themselves. It was really about let's learn how to value one another in community. That was a foundation. That's how they built their business. And as I read story after story in this book, I just was weeping and weeping and weeping. And there's one, I mean, numbers that I could remember even now, eight years later. One in particular was uh, the team leader 
of one of the Starbucks and the early stores, the lottery had rolled over to $80 million in California where they were. And it rolled over and so she persuaded the team to put in some money for tickets. They'd buy a kind of ticket together as a syndicate just, just for fun. But the problem was over half the people there didn't have any money so she paid for their tickets. And uh, they won as a group. They won $80 million or something like that. And what happened was, under California state law, and this had been tested many times with people suing each other, if you buy a ticket for someone else, actually that ticket still belongs to you. And if you win the lottery, you get the money. And so because she'd paid for over half the tickets, over half the money, $40 million, should have been hers. And she could have uh, sued people for it and kept it to herself. However, she decided to distribute it equally between her team. And so everyone was shocked. The news, CNN came down to interview her, and her response, I can still remember, was this. She said, had I kept the money to myself, everything that we had been building at Starbucks would have been worth nothing. All of our teamwork, all the stuff that I taught people would have been worth nothing. I had to just distribute it to everyone equally. And as I read this, I was just weeping, thinking, we can't get people to behave like this for eternal life. And they're doing it for $10 an hour. How is this? And we began to get a revelation of a community that actually this word culture, which is what they talk about, is central to a community. That every community, actually every individual, every family, but certainly every community has a culture. And unless you define it, it will be defined for you. We get to choose. We get to paint a picture, if you like, of our own future and decide not just what do we want to achieve, because that's important, but also what do we want to do on the journey? What do we want to be like when we get there? And you know that there's many people who do things together. And when they get, they achieve great things, but they get to the destination and they hate each other. I was devastated to learn that C3PO and R2D2, one of the greatest couple acts in all of history, actually hated each other in real life and wouldn't speak to each other off screen. Even in the, no, not even like that. They refused to speak to each other. That, I was devastated by that. But you know what? That story you could mirror again and again and again because so many get to a destination, achieve great things, but fall out or fall apart on the journey. And you know, every community has a culture. We get to define our culture. And, and I've, I've seen it as I've traveled around and seen other communities. I remember Caroline and I, I was speaking at a different church. And as I was there, we arrived early, we sat down. And then as I was kind of looking through the pamphlets or whatever, I felt a presence and I looked up and there was this couple in front of us and, and they said, are you going to sit there? Which was strange because we were already sitting there. And I said, uh, yes. And they said, then we will sit behind. And I turned to Carol and I was like, what, what on earth was that about? And she, and she said, I think we're sitting in their seats. <laughs> So their culture was, even though you're a first-time visitor, that I've got, they had no idea that I was speaking. They were very embarrassed. Even though, <laughs> even though I'm a first-time visitor, it's okay to make me feel awkward because I'm sitting in your seat. Do we want that culture? I don't think so. That's why we move the seats around. Well, just to, we don't want that culture, but we get to define our culture. We get to define who we are at the destination. And so in this kind of picture of the future, we want to look at that. And, you know, Jesus did the same with his disciples. What he said to them right at the end, some of his last words were this, uh, were these, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
and I'm with you to the end of the age. And that word observe is a word actually that's stronger than our word observe. It's the word guard. And it's the same word that Matthew used of the guards over Jesus' tomb. It's that strong. It's the sense of not just observe, not just look at, but it means to defend. It means to guard. And, And our word culture, which is similar to our word cultivate, is exactly the same sense. It's to put a, you know, when you cultivate an area, you put a boundary around something and you decide what goes in and what goes out. And the weeds go out and the good stuff comes in. And and culture is exactly like that. It's the same sense that Jesus was saying. He's saying, I want you as a communities to guard my way of life, my teaching. I want you to put some boundaries around and decide what's in and what's out. We get to choose. And Jesus made that quite clear. And so back then in 2008, we defined our culture. And it wasn't everything that we wanted to be, but it was a good stab at who we should be. And, and five words, honor, authenticity, acceptance, generosity, and courage. We said, look, this is the picture of the future. This is who we want to be on the journey. We're not there yet. We've not arrived. But this is what we want to hold up. When we get, we want to achieve great things as a community, but we want to be great people together. We want to love each other at the end. We've got to live together for a long, long time. We want to like each other for eternity. We want to build something that not just achieves stuff, but it is stuff, and that people can come in and see that. And so I want to take uh, the moment this time this morning just to look at that first word, honour. And I want to uh, lay out for you why we decided that honour would be the foundation of our community, our cultural values. It's the first, and I believe it's the most important, that the others build off of it. Because uh, I, I know for many of you, I was in church for many years, and never heard a message on honour. I never understood that it's one of the most central biblical themes I never understood the life-changing power of honour and how when we start to live a culture of honour, it changes everything. It changes our decisions. It changes our thinking. It changes the way we treat people around us and the way we expect to be treated ourselves. It changes everything. And so I want to convince you this morning that honour is the way to live. I've got a fair task ahead of me. I can see by some of your faces. I want to convince you that honour is the way. And some of you have heard this before and some of you have never heard it before. So let's just pray for revelation, shall we, that Jesus would speak. Lord, we, th- we thank you for this theme of honour, for this foundation. And we, I just pray today for each of us, myself included, for revelation, for the supernatural power of honour, how you released it onto the earth and how it changes the world one life at a time. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us about it this morning. Open our hearts. We open our hearts to you to hear your word and to apply it into our lives, into our businesses, into our families. Help us, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. Let me read you the story from Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, which was his hometown where he kind of lived, he was traveling out of there, a Roman centurion came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed, and is in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come to my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers, and I've got authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slave, do this, they would do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He turned to those who were following him and he said, I tell you the truth, I have not seen faith like this before. I tell you this, many Gentiles, i.e. non-Jews, will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and they will sit down at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those to whom the kingdom had been prepared, 
They'll be thrown into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the Roman centurion, go back home because you believed it's happened. And the young servant was healed at that same hour. Honour, what is it? And how is it relevant to this story? What does it teach us? Well, honour means this. It means to recognise value, to acknowledge worth and to act accordingly. And I'll give you an illustration. If I were to give you a yellow football shirt with a bit of green on it, you would perhaps be grateful, perhaps take it home and, and show someone in your house that Simon has given you a gift and it must be special, though I don't know what it means. And you would perhaps put it in a closet and sooner or later it would be forgotten. But I tell you, there is one person in our community, were I to give them that shirt, they would have a very different response. My good friend Royden who was here in the first meeting. But he, he supports Norwich City, and that's their colours. And so if I gave him that shirt, especially if it was from one particular year where Norwich were doing very well, I can't remember which that year, what that was, <laughs> and he's going to tell me off when I see him next. But if I were to give him that shirt from that year, and were to give, he would hold it with great reverence. He would take it home, and the next time I go to his house, it would probably be behind glass on his wall. He would so value it because he values that team. Why value a piece of material? Because you value the team behind the material. And the strange thing is, having no, caring not much about football and having no care about Norwich, suddenly I found myself caring. I see the scores of Norwich and I think, oh, that's a shame. And I think to myself, why do I care? Because he cares and I care about him, him and so therefore I care about them, strangely. That's how honour works. We find value in things and see the value in things and we treat them with respect. And, and honour is like respect, but in the most, it's like respect on steroids. Because <laughs> respect is about performance, really. It's about how well someone has done, whereas honour is much deeper than that. It's much more, uh, it's much more significant than that because honour is about someone's identity and their value. And, and, and so we honour in this way and we act accordingly. And... and this story starts with an extraordinary thing because the centurion says to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Lord, he calls Jesus. Now, not even the Jews who should have known who Jesus was were calling him Lord. I don't think the centurion had all the revelation of who Jesus was, but he understood this. This person deserves honour. Lord, and he's so much so, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my home. He'd got some revelation. We don't know how much, but he'd got something. And it was out of that place that actually this miracle, this healing occurred, was out of the honor that he showed to Jesus. And it's the same for us. All honor is sourced first in God. Our first place for honor is in God. We first start by honoring him. Revelation 4 says, Worthy are you, O God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things. Revelation 5, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honour and glory and blessing. What's it saying? It's saying, God, you deserve honour because you created us. You know, perhaps you've had a terrible week and you come here, here on a Sunday and you think, oh God, what a rubbish, rubbish, rubbish week. God, this went wrong and that went wrong. I tell you what, he's still worthy of worship. 
Because why? Because he created you. And, and also it says, not only that, is when we messed it up, he created this magnificent planet for us to enjoy. And we have screwed it up. We've messed it up. We've broken each other. We've broken ourselves. And Revelation says, but then he sent the lamb. He sent the one who paid the price for us to be saved and redeemed and bought back out of our brokenness. And he paid the price for this planet to be fixed again. He is worthy of honor. No matter what we do or don't do in this life, he is still worthy of honor. No matter what happens to us, he is still worthy of honor. And the Bible says all healthy lives start in this place. And perhaps you're not a believer here this morning. You're like, I've never really given any honor to God. I would challenge you to say that your life cannot be built on a healthy foundation until you first start to honor God because he created you. He created you. And, and, and what it says in, in Romans 1 is this. They did not honor him or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And, and Jesus makes allusion to the same principle in this passage because what does he say? He says many will come who should not have come, the Gentiles, who everyone thought was, well, they're far from God. He said many, they will come and they will, will enter eternal life with me. But but there are many who ought to have come, the Israelites, who won't come. And he says they will be in darkness and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is the, the, the sober lesson from this passage. It's this. We don't like it. We don't like to hear it. But the truth is this. If we refuse to honour God, our creator, our source, then ultimately we end up in darkness. And much that we see on the planet, much of the brokenness, Probably all of that comes from that reality where we refuse to honour, where people refuse to honour God for who he is and give him his rightful place. Ultimately, it ends in darkness. It ends in separation. That is the, that's the trajectory and it's a sober message, which is why if you don't know Jesus this morning, I would appeal to you. There's lots of reasons positively, but there's also one negatively. If you don't and end up your entire life not honouring God, you will end in darkness. The Bible is quite clear of it. Come and give honour to God this morning. And we think, well, that's not fair, but think of it like this. Think of it like this. If you had a, a light bulb that could talk, stay with me. If you had a light bulb that could talk and you appealed to that light bulb and you said, get yourself screwed into the socket. The darkness is coming. The sun is going down. And that light bulb said, no, 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 no. And it refused to. What would happen? Sooner or later, the darkness would come. That light bulb would be in darkness because it refused to be connected to the power source. It refused to be connected into the thing that could give it light when the darkness comes. And that's exactly what this passage is saying. We as humans, our source is in him. And if we refuse to give honor to him and connect ourselves, Romans says that. It says, therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires. He gives us what we want. He says, you want to live life apart from me? That's what you're going to get then. And the heart, he gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading, literally it says the dishonoring of their bodies with one another. God is calling us to honor him first. Why? Because he's some uptight tyrant? No, because he's our source. He is the source of all life. Nothing can live outside of connection with him. And he knows that. There's no other hope apart from him. He is the one who gives life and breath to everything. And he's appealing to us, come and honor me. Not because he's got some need to be honored, but because without that, we get disconnected from the one who is the source of everything. And we need it. And, and more to the point, God honor is the culture of heaven. 
God is honoured for all eternity and will be honoured. And where we line up with that, then we get connected to his world and his realm and his stuff starts to happen around us. When we obey him, we get the fruit of obeying him. When we line up with him, we get the fruit of lining up with him. It's amazing. And I see it in my life. I see it in other people's lives. I saw it just last week. Caroline and I were at another church and I felt the Lord say, speak on forgiveness tonight and some people who forgive will be healed in their bodies just as they forgive. And so I gave a message on forgiveness and people forgave even though they didn't want to even though they did not want to forgive, and through tears, and through weeping, and through great heartache, because God's word says to forgive those who have wronged us, they forgive, they forgave. And at the end of the meeting, I said, now, if you've been healed this tonight, just as you've forgiven, check your body. Five people raised their hand and were healed instantaneously. Just as, just as the Lord had promised. What's the point? As we line up with him, as we honor him, his stuff happens. We're no longer left with our own resources. His stuff happens. So what's it look like for you? What's it look like for me to live, to build a community that honours God in our worship, in our thankfulness to him, in our focus on giving thanks to him, even when we don't feel like it, in our gratitude, even for the small things, not focusing on what he hasn't yet done, focusing on what he has done. What does it look like to honour him? I was praying this morning and I felt the Lord say, Simon, I feel on trial most of the time by my own children. You know, when, when I feel the most honoured is when someone comes and sits down to me, with me and says, Simon, I heard this about you, but I thought it can't be true, so I wanted to talk to you about it. Is that really what happened? Why does that honour me? Because they thought the best of me. And yet how often do we apply that to the Lord? Do we think the best of him? When something happens in our lives that we don't understand or when we read a passage of the scriptures that we don't get, do we think the best of him? I used to, when I was a young believer, I used to think, you know what, I'm going to get to heaven, there's going to be a few questions I'm going to ask. (laughs) I'm going to join that queue of unanswered questions and particularly, why did you let that bit in the Bible? You're meant to edit this thing. (laughs) Do you know what I've realised as I've been a Christian for a long time? There won't be a queue. We will be on our faces worshipping him and the song will start with we didn't have a flipping clue (laughs) if they allow the word flipping in heaven I'm not sure if they will but that's what will happen we will be on our faces in worship and suddenly it will all make sense and we will be glad we thought the best of him because he will be justified there will be no one needing to justify him on that day there will be no one saying you did me wrong Because he is good and his love endures forever. And suddenly, all of the confusion and the fog will just disappear. And we will worship. Because we'll realize how it all made sense. That's the first thing. But the extension of that is this. When we honor God, out of that flows honor for ourselves. Because the principle, the belief is this. We're created in God's image. That's why honor must first go to God. You've got to first honor the creator. We're created in God's image. Therefore, we honor ourselves and others around us. We're creating God's image, therefore we start with honouring God, but in natural conclusion, if God is awesome and amazing and good and kind, and if he's worthy of honour, and he's put his stamp on me, then in some way I'm worthy of honour. What does that look like? And, And I tell you what, we're all so messed up on this one. We get confused between pride on one hand and self beating on the other. 
and flip between the two. And I've seen it in my own life and many other people's lives. I was speaking somewhere. I can't remember where it was. I think it, it might have been here, but I think it was somewhere else. And I normally try and use stories from here elsewhere and else, other stories. from. This might have been here, which is going to be awkward. <laughs> I can't honestly remember. Because what happened was at the end of the meeting, a guy came up to me through tears said, Thank you so much for this morning. It's, 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 I think it's changed my life. Thank you so much. I said, Why? He said, Well, he said, All my life I've had a problem with my big feet. And I looked at you with your massive feet. <laughs> this is a true story. I was actually wearing these shoes, which do make my feet look a little bit larger than I think. <laughs> do make my feet. He said, I was looking at you with your huge feet. And, and I thought to myself, if he can do what he's doing <laughs> with, with his feet, why should I let them hold my feet hold me back? I thought to myself, only in the church, only in the church can someone say something like that and get away with it. And I said, thank you, brother. That's really blessed me. <laughs> I came here with no issues with my feet, and now I have. I'm a size 11 for crying out loud. It's not that big. But, but the, fun, the point of that story is this. The enemy had done a job on him over his size of his feet. And it was somehow, I don't know how, holding him back. And we laugh at that, but then probably if we put our stuff on display and told the people around us the things that we think about ourselves that are holding us back, they'd probably have a little chuckle too. And they'd probably say, really? I don't even think twice about that, about you. See, the reality is we've got to learn to honour ourselves. We've got to let this honour flow first to God, but actually it then flows down to us because we're stamped in his image. And back to the story of the centurion, what's striking is this guy had very little information, very little revelation, but what he says is, just say the word from where you are, my servant will be healed. I know that because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I've got authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. I say to my servants, do this, they'll do that. What do you see there? You see a guy who knows who he is. <laughs> he didn't have all the revelation of who he was, but he knew something, and he was secure in that place. It's so refreshing, isn't it, to meet people who just know who they are, who can receive encouragement, thank you very much, without deflecting it, who can, who can uh, play their part without having to apologize or push themselves forward. They just know who they are. My picture of the future is a whole hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people roaming around the planet just like that, yeah. who honor God but also honor themselves. Yeah. They know who they are. They don't have to push themselves forward, nor do they hold themselves back. They just play their part in life. And the scripture says that, doesn't it? He says, God made you to be valuable and worthy of honor. And you know the yeah buts? When you hear those things like God made me in his image, there's a little yeah but in all of our minds. Yeah, but what about this? Well, this is what the Romans says. Who shall bring any charge against God's people? It is God who justifies. Who is there to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is praying faithfully for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You see, for all the yeah buts, the Bible says Jesus Christ. <laughs> he died for you. He paid the price for you to cover you with his righteousness, which means his goodness, his rightness. And so you were stamped in, in God's image, yes. And are you broken? Yes, you were broken. We were all broken, but that's why Christ came. 
to cover us with his rightness so that we can play our part. Yeah, but is answered by Jesus. And so when that goes off in your head, remember this, you're in his image and he has redeemed you and brought you back. back. And you know, I, I remember I was talking with a, uh, a friend about someone else I'd met and it was just, this person just so annoyed me and so wound me up. And I was talking about all the things that wound me up about this person. And the friend I was talking to smiled after Britain and said, you do realise that's my brother-in-law. <laughs> nope. Didn't know that. <laughs> but I learned a powerful lesson in that moment because what I realized is, you know, everyone is somebody's son or daughter, yeah. Heavenly Father, Absolutely. and so am I. And so when I'm in that place of berating, beating up, I had a friend even who would hit his head against a wall when he'd made a mistake. Just he's so, ugh, so frustrated with himself. And when I'm in that place of self-harm, I've got to remember. Do you remember... <laughs> Whose father, whose image you bear. It's like this, you know, you're in an art gallery and you're standing with a friend talking about a painting and slating it and saying how terrible it is and how the artist must have rushed it and, wish you'd, and you wish they'd done this or that. And they turn to you and say, you do realise I painted that. It's that moment, isn't it? But I wonder how the Lord feels so much of the time when we beat ourselves up and slate ourselves and say how rubbish we are. I wonder if he'd like to say to us, you do realize, I made that. <laughs> I made that. He made us to play our part, and for every part that is bro- broken, Christ came. So the picture of the future is this. A people who honor God and see his honor flow into the world. You know, it was out of this honor, this is the thing that strikes me from that story. Jesus had never done a remote healing before. He'd never remotely healed somebody. They had always been in his presence before, uh, by a touch or just around him. This is the first remote healing of a number of remote healings, actually. How does it start? Through a man who honors God, who honors something on Jesus. And that enabled the impossible to happen. But more than that, not just honor God, people who allow that honor to flow into their own lives and honor themselves. Why don't you just take a moment, turn to the person next to you and say this, answer this question. In what way are you most tempted to dishonor yourself? How do you most regularly or are you most tempted to dishonor yourself? That's a tough question, isn't it? I'll let you finish that later over coffee, if you so choose. But reflect on that this week. I can get you back this way. Reflect on that this week because the answer to that question will probably be the first journey of mind change for you this year. Stop that. Turn to the person the other side and say, stop it. <laughs> stop that. Stop that and you will change. Stop that and you will change. And you will more begin to reflect the Jesus who is within you. You will more begin to reflect the Christ who is within you. If you can just stop that behavior this year... The natural conclusion, we honor God because we're made in his image and therefore we honor ourselves, but also we then go on to honor others. And this is where it begins not just to change our world, but to change the world. Because we are called to live as a countercultural people. When the whole world honors those who do well or perform well, and we say, no, we honor just because you're made in God's image.
no matter your performance or anything else. This is radical. This, is, this takes every ounce of God's power in us to do because everything within us just wants to honour people when they perform. We want to rec- when we get the revelation, yes, I like to receive it freely by God's grace. I love it, but I don't want to give it to anyone else. I had a friend who, he, I'd said something, and it was an appropriate setting, but I'd said something about someone else. It was in a leadership setting. It wasn't gossip. I'd said something about someone else, and he went and told them. And he called me, caused me a whole week of pain that I did not have time for. So I had to clear up this mess. He came to me after a week. He realized that they'd, he'd made a mess. He came to me and said, I'm so, so sorry. I've messed up. I'm so sorry. He knew that I knew that the other person knew and that I'd spent all week. I'm so sorry. He said, will you forgive me? I said, I will forgive you, but just lay on the floor. Let me kick you for a while first. <laughs> we will both feel better. He said, I'll do it. We'll both feel better. I said, I know. <laughs> I know. We don't. We didn't, actually. We didn't do that, by the way. Just so you know, it wouldn't have been healthy. But we, we don't, actually, we, we don't want to be forgiven freely. Sometimes we'd rather people punish us. Some of you brought up in a culture where you'd rather people punish you. Just get it over. Earn my way back. God, it's not like that. But more, we don't want to let other people off. We don't, we don't want to honor them for who they are in God. We want to honor them for their performance. And where they fail, we want to hold them to account. And the reality is the scriptures say very different. Notice this centurion. He honored this, what was most likely a slave boy. And in their day, slave boys were two a penny. One dies, you get another. That one dies, you get another. You don't look after them, you give them enough just to survive, to serve you. That's their purpose. Yet this centurion saw something different. Jesus honors the centurion who most religious leaders of his day would not have anything to do with. He was from an oppressing nation. And yet Jesus honors this man with his request and actually, more than that, applauds him for the faith and honor he sees in his heart. The kingdom of heaven is based first on honoring God, second on honoring ourselves, but thirdly, then let it flow. Let it flow. And the scriptures, there's numerous ones, I can't read them all, but firstly, state leaders, 1 Peter 2, one of the most uh, shocking passages, honor the emperor, Peter says. It's shocking, why? Because Nero was his emperor. And Nero was the emperor who discovered, oh, people burn really well. So when you have garden parties, if there's anyone you don't like, put them on sticks around the edges and burn them, and they will light up the party. Let's have drink, more drinks, anyone? Nero was a psychopath. And yet Peter says, honor the emperor. Because of his behavior? No, because he is made in the image of God. He is made in the image of God. I tell you what, what's going on right now as believers, we need to remember this. Does that mean we don't? We don't. Does it mean that we don't uh, um, critique or we don't call people to account? Not at all. But it means we remember who they are, and we call, we pray for them, and we think about them, and we treat them with honour, even when we disagree, and even when their behaviour affects us very, very negatively. Honour, and actually, that that principle of honouring leaders goes right the way through the scriptures in lots of different ways. We had a great story just this week of a lady. She's in her company, and she's she said she's kind of the lowest member of her team. She'd been there a year, and on a year, people normally bring cakes. And she thought, I want to thank everyone who's helped me through this year. There's been some ups and downs. I want to thank them. So for all 22 members of staff, she went and wrote a card and left it on their desk, thanking them for role, personal card, thanking them for their role thanking them for the part they played, left it on the desk, on her anniversary of being there. All 22 of them came and thanked her personally 
And then one of her bosses called her into his office. She thought, what have I done? Maybe I've overstepped the mark, feeling a bit nervous. He called her in and he said, I've worked here 35 years. No one has ever given me a thank you card before <laughs> or said that I was any good at my job. There's something about honour that changes the atmosphere. Honour our leaders. Honour older people. Leviticus 19, you shall stand up before the grey head and honour the face of an old man. Can I have an amen? Parents, <laughs> Exodus 20, honour your father and mother. The poor, 1 Timothy 5, honour widows who were the poorest of the poor in those days. Everyone, 1 Peter 2, honour everyone. From the greatest to the least, we are called to honour. And so you might have heard this phrase around the king's arms and thought, oh, well, honour equals them. We applaud people who speak at the front and who are at the front. And we do do that. And I don't really particularly like receiving it myself, but I think it's important because I travel other places and often you're greeted with folded arms and a look of, prove it to me. <laughs> I tell you what, speaking into that atmosphere is not fun. <laughs> and people who travel the world, their favourite place to speak is here. <laughs> Why? Because they get open hearts that say, look, we're not looking for where you've got it wrong, we're looking for where you get it right. We're looking for what we can learn, what God's taught you. We don't expect you to be perfect. We expect you to deliver what God has put on your heart. And it creates an atmosphere where they feel like, they, people have said to me, I taught at your church better than I've taught anywhere in the world. They've literally said that. So we do do that. But if that's all we are, then we're missing it because our car park attendants should be the most yes. thanked yes. and honoured yes. people yes. in any church in the nation. So those who've got high profile and behind the scenes profile should all receive honour. That's the point of the scriptures. Not that we just honour leaders and, oh yes, pastor, and no pastor. That's all fine if you want to call me pastor. That's fine. But don't show me any more honour than you show the person who gave you a cup of tea at the end. Because the reality is, the scriptures say before God, whether we are Bill Gates or a poor slum child from Nairobi, we stand equal made in his image. And that's what honour does. And it starts to help us realize I'm not going to treat people according to their performance. I'm going to treat them according to who they were made to be. I'm going to call out the greatness that's in them. Because if God made them, he is great, therefore they must be great. And if they're great and they're not acting great, then it means probably no one's told them that they're great and called out that greatness. Maybe that's my job. Because everyone else is going to be hating them and slating them and gossiping about them. Maybe my job is not to do that, however difficult it is. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to look for the greatness in them, the potential in them. I tell you, I used to go to a restaurant. I wouldn't think anything about the waiter or waitress. They would serve us. That's what they do. Whenever I go now, I'm thinking, I wonder if there's some way I can encourage them. Because I bet they haven't had much encouragement. Often we will, we will have waiters or waitresses in tears as Caroline and I will bring an encouragement to them. They'll be tearing up because no one has encouraged them that day. One of my favourite stories was a few years ago. Our team went out. They gave chocolate to those who'd never get encouragement. And they found a traffic warden and gave her a bar of chocolate. I think it was a lady. And she said, today, someone tried to run over my feet. Someone said they wished I got cancer. Someone else said I wished I hoped I'd dead. I, I was dead. Uh, I, I hoped I died. And that was three times in, in one day. I've never been thanked before in my career. There's something about the culture of honour that changes the world. And the Lord is calling us to it. So this is the picture, a community that lives with thankfulness for each other, a community that calls out the best in each other, a community that's teachable, a community that fights the urge to gossip, and we all love it, but fights the urge to gossip, and a community that builds something where we want to hang around together 
forever, not just because we have to. Thank you, God. And I just... I want to finish with one story, and it was the end of a meeting one time, one story, the end of a meeting, and as I was leaving, I was really tired, I'd prayed for loads of people, and I was leading, there was a, 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 a young girl standing at the back, and as I walked towards her, the Holy Spirit said, pray for her, and I was like, Lord, I'm exhausted, I need to go home, isn't there a lady here who can pray for her, and he said, pray for her, so I went and prayed for her, I asked her what she was crying about, and she said, I... I've just remembered today one of the most traumatic scenes in my life was when I, my father hung himself and I found his body. And she said, it's just come back to me and it's been such a massive issue in my life. And so I grabbed a lady and we prayed for her together. And she just got into such freedom as she encountered the father in that moment. And at the end, she, so just as I was going, she said, I want to thank you for stopping. It was so important that you prayed for me. I said, why? She said, because my dad's name was Simon. You see, what I realized in that moment is that it had to be me. That's why it couldn't just be, and there's lots of other people I'm sure who could have prayed just as good prayers, but it had to be me. And the reality is this, you have been honored by God, and you carry within you something that is unique to honor the world around. There's something about you that, yes, other people could honor the people that you meet, but there's something about you that's special, that you carry a message from him. And he is so perfect and amazing. He knits it all together in a miraculous way. When we go on this journey with him and say, Father, who can I honor today? He knits it together and he matches just the right person. It had to be you because my dad's name was Simon. That story needs to be multiplied time and time again. Let's pray, shall we?